0: Jim, James, Tim, what's his name? I wrote it down. Jeff. <laughs> Please welcome Jeffrey Lord. Oh, this
1: is for the Jeffrey this Lord, trip. Lord, really? I thought Jeffrey Lord was kind of like a real guy.
0: How oh, are you supposed to be a strong, thrilling, powerful warrior and lover with a name like this? It is like a weak ejaculation. <laughs> Jeff. The Lord is the gatekeeper of all music in Fort Worth. Oh, Jeffrey. If you don't love the Lord, you're F and F.
1: Like, really, is this the level that you sung to, Lord? So I'm done with Jeffrey Lord.
2: Hey, 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 don't be done just yet. I'm just getting started. Welcome to the Funky Town Podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Have a seat, have a seat. All right, thank you. Get comfortable. Got a big show for you tonight. First thing I want to say, right off the top of the bat, I want to wish a... Happy birthday to my buddy Dustin from the Jerry Jonestown Massacre. It was on Wednesday, and um, we've already celebrated and stuff, but I wanted to give him a proper podcast shout-out. So happy birthday to Dustin. Got to hang out with him on Wednesday night. Um, had a, It was a birthday dinner that was put on for him, and a um, bunch of folks were there. We had a really good time. Susie made some chili. She made this... Uh, regular chili and it was great. And then she made this chicken chili. I've never had chicken chili and it's not just like regular chili but you use chicken instead of the chili meat. It's an actually a different kind of concoction but it's so good. So good. I really liked it. I've been thinking about it ever since Wednesday. Should have had her um should have had her send some home with me in a doggy bag. But that's neither here nor there. Anyways, happy birthday to Dustin and um that's about the most exciting thing i've done all week long you guys you know monday was a holiday i had to work but everybody else in the house was off and we were frozen inside anyways you know and then um tuesday school was still out and daughter still didn't work and um i don't know we just kind of sat around the house wednesday had the birthday party and then thursday and friday we just kind of worked and stuff and you know a little bit lacking the funds that we normally have because of christmas you know you kind of put yourself into a hole at the end of the year then you try to dig out of it the first couple of months and i know we're not the only ones that are going through that so i'm willing to bet that probably like a lot of the places around town that are already struggling are probably struggling harder after the first of the year from folks like me who overextend during the holidays and then have to catch up it's just you know that's just the way that it is but i hope to see you guys out there pretty soon at a show I know there's some good stuff coming up in April, and um, and so we plan on being back out there, but yeah, we've been sitting around the house just kind of, you know, keeping everything winterized and keeping the house under wraps and all that stuff, so it's been very, very uneventful, so I don't have a whole lot to share with you. I do want to talk about our guest tonight, I have an interview interview um, with a gentleman that goes by the name Question Beggar. You can find him on YouTube, Spotify, um, Apple Music, you know, Facebook, all that kind of good stuff. I definitely want you guys to check him out. It's um, it's always interesting to find these people that are doing something It's just, you know, it's kind of one of a kind. It's like, I don't know anybody else in town that's doing what he's doing. Um, the instrument he plays, the way that he plays it, his setup, his style, um, his videos that he makes, um, his music videos that, that he makes, everything is, you know very much his question beggar it's like you know it as soon as you see it that it's him i think that's super cool he really does have an identity um one of a kind and i think it's i think it's awesome so i can't wait to get into talking to him about you know i don't know anything about him he's been doing you know when you go and look at his stuff he's been making records for the past several years so it's not like he just started he's not brand new i remember him being around last year and i'm wanting to get him on so i'm really excited about having him on and kind of finding out that was really weird wasn't it Excuse me. Have like a little gas bubble and find finding out. Um, but looking forward to finding out more about him. So we're gonna play a couple songs tonight. The first one we're gonna play is an older one. I think it's a couple years old. And um, and then at the end of the interview, we're gonna play um his newest release called Smuggler. There's a video for it, and um, there's also a video for this other song we're gonna play. It's called Take a Naked Walk. You can find them both on YouTube. The interesting thing about his videos is he takes his old films, and I know some other bands will take like old public domain footage and then make a music video out of it. Um, he goes a step further and actually makes himself one of the characters in the video, and he does this by he has like a TV screen, that his head pops up in, kind of like a Mex headrum thing if you're old enough to remember that. But he's he's a talking head inside of the TV screen and it's sitting on top of the body, dancing around the videos, singing the song. Super cool. Let's get the show started. Take a naked walk. Question beggar on the Funky Town Podcast.
0: After three While the suburbs Are sleeping sound Take my hand And walk around And you'll feel free Like a never Okay. Can- mm-hmm. Now it's time for our interview. Hello, hello.
2: Hello, this is Jeffrey Lord from the Funky Town Podcast calling for the one and only Question Beggar. Question Beggar, right here. Hey, How man. How you doing? Good. How are you doing?
1: Great, great.
2: Yeah, Glad it, to talk to you. Yeah, you too, me too, man. I took out the trash earlier and it's starting to rain.
1: I know. It just started to rain. I'm out in my studio shed in the backyard. and uh, You can hear so, it. Yeah, you may hear it really if it starts to pour down. So hopefully. I don't know.
2: Is it going to freeze tonight?
1: I hope not. <laughs> That'll be a disaster tomorrow if it does.
2: I think it might. I think it might freeze tonight.
1: Wow. All summer we've needed the rain and now I'm like, go away.
2: I know. I know. And that, I don't mean to start off with a weather talk, but that's been on my mind all week long. This, I hate the, I, I hate the winter here. I, I, I'm fine until it gets below freezing, and then it's just. ugh. We have a hundred year old home, so it's hard to keep warm.
1: Oh yeah, you'll never keep that. You'll never keep that heated. No, you know.
2: So we do our best. But, anyways, man. Um. Yeah, I was looking over some stuff. So the song that I started the show off with, um, was a song from I think a couple years ago. Um, Take a naked walk. Oh yeah,
1: that's that's my biggest YouTube uh, video. That's why I played it. it. Yeah, I
2: was was on YouTube. Yeah, it was like
1: 155,000 views. That's cool. I can't imagine why. Yeah, Uh, it's it's also
2: a really neat song. You know, like you're going along with you know, to take a naked walk, but then at the end you're like, oh shit, it's the cops, and it speeds up, and it's like, it's just fun. You know, because it's being chased.
1: Yeah right you can sort of see it in your mind Uh totally when you hear it yeah theater of the mind i love it
2: yeah it's great so um yeah i had the opportunity to come out to Itchy richie's christmas party or christmas whatever yeah yeah and um i got to see you play and i was remiss that i didn't play your mid Cities christmas song on the christmas show um i think i've heard it like a week after i'd already posted the show i was like dang it i would wish i would have played that
1: yeah, I think it got released the day the day before or the day of your of oh, your okay. podcast. Yeah. So So but and and
2: yeah. But yeah, but next year I'm gonna have it in there. That's a that's a great tune, man. It's really fun.
1: Yeah. Right. It's very you know, well it's very north Texas. Yeah, I mean so. if you're
2: from here, it, I mean it it's niche to hear. I don't know if somebody in Memphis would be like, Oh, okay, <laughs> you know. But yeah. <laughs> but I like hearing all the cities shouted out and stuff.
1: I know, right? It's fun. It's, you know, I mean, they're, they're just mid cities to us, but, uh, you know, who knows someday these might be like as big as Dallas. I mean, look at, look at how Plano has grown Oh,
2: and uh, Frisco. And the, you know, all
1: that. Frisco. I mean, they have skylines <laughs> that's, you know, that could happen here. Someday we may see Ulas, you know, and, and, or even my beloved Uga where I live, mm-hmm. um, you know, they may, it may have, a, uh, you know, they say Guadalupe is going to be the next big U.S. So, you know. I don't I don't know. I mean,
2: where, well, I guess it could still go out um, north. Is there land out there? Because, I mean, it's pretty much in the middle of a bunch of stuff. I don't know how much bigger you can get. Oh, they just build on top of each other. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, high rises and stuff.
1: Yeah, like the Jetsons. Yeah. <laughs> you know,
2: that. Yeah, my uh, mother-in-law lives over there, and I was over there yesterday.
1: Oh nice.
2: Right around High Tower and Roof Snow is kinda of where they're at.
1: Wow, that's right where I'm at.
2: Oh yeah. Fun.
1: Yeah, crazy. That is crazy.
2: I could have come by yesterday.
1: Yeah, oh man. Yeah, that would have been wild. Yeah. I could have showed you my I could have shown you my fabulous estate. No,
2: I'd like to see your little studio in in the back. That's what the Jerry Johnson Massacre podcast do. Um Dustin has, I don't know what the size is, but it's a small, little wooden, almost you know, like a little shed in his backyard, but that's yeah. where he, he does all this podcasting, and I think they make records, you know, and bands and stuff out there, like different bands that he's in, yeah. and they record vocals and and stuff out there. It's cool.
1: 10, ten by 12. I think that's nice. Four wall, nice. and it has wall-to-wall floors.
2: <laughs> nice. You, well, you gotta have that.
1: Yeah, you really do. So
2: I was reading, because um, I, I was curious, I was like, if you were from here or not, but you're not from here. You were born in Washington, D.C. area. Uh, yeah,
1: I was born in Washington D.C. Yeah, my dad was a, uh, a major bureaucrat. Really? And uh, yeah, he worked. He worked for the what they used to call the office, the Bureau of the Budget, was what they used to call it. Now it's called the Office of Management and Budget. But he was um, his office was right next door to the White House in the old Executive Office Building. So that's pretty. You know, when they were. When there were yeah, so when there were inaugural parades and things, it was right on Pennsylvania Avenue. When there were inaugural parades and things, you know, we'd go and we'd go out on the balcony of his office and watch the missiles and soldiers going by. How cool! And, uh, yeah, yeah. Was, I mean, I didn't think much of it at the time. But, sure, you just uh,
2: grew up in it, but yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
2: Now, and, now you can see all the all the history and stuff now. You can realize
1: you know how cool that was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I've got pictures of my dad shaking hands with Nixon and, and Ford. And, uh, I think that's, that's, I think what happened is he fell afoul of the Washington establishment at some point. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, he was on the church committee. Uh, he, he was, uh, working with the church committee, which was investigating the CIA and, um, uh, CIA excesses and things like that. And I think, I think he might've made some unintentionally made some enemies there because yeah. the, his his next posting was in the Veterans Administration, and that's where you send people to be punished. Oh, really? Yeah, so, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the whole Washington world there. That's crazy. Uh,
2: yeah, now I'm a um,
1: yeah,
2: I'm a dispatcher um, for FedEx, and um, I do it from my room. Uh, but uh, my area that I that, that I cover is is two parts. But one part is DC, Baltimore.
0: Oh, and so
2: I got a bunch of drivers that. You know, drive around that area and then my other area is like the the ohio area it's like cleveland C- cincinnati and dayton and some of that areas um but yeah and oh. it's me and another guy and we'll switch off or one day i'll get dc and the, and the next day i'll get the ohio area or whatever but um i don't know i think it's interesting because i because I, I got the map up and stuff and they'll be like hey i'm trying to get here and you know they'll go out to annapolis um and stuff like, oh yeah. yeah and it's like i've never been to that part uh, of the country. So to me, it's just really neat. Um, but yeah, like I can't help them get s- somewhere. I mean, I can pull up Google and try to be like, well, it should be here and here and here, but I have no idea. I've never been there, but I think,
1: Oh uh, yeah, that, well, that, that's really tricky, especially DC. Yeah. DC is built like a Ferris wheel. It's laid out like a Ferris wheel of, of roads and, and you know, kind of like an asterisk with an X over it. And I, I it's funny you mention that cause I used to be a courier, mm-hmm. um, Right after college, you know, when I was trying to get my first band going, uh, I worked as a courier. So I was all over that area, you know, working with the dispatcher. Yeah, um, to to deliver stuff back when things got delivered.
2: No, and they have and, uh, all these weird rules as far as like, um, like the vans can't be too big just because of parking areas. There's because there's, there's nowhere to park, and and like, yeah. you got to yeah. get into a parking garage, so they have to drive little vans so they can be able to get certain places and things and you know, it's just all these different rules and different roads that can't be on after certain times or something. It's, it's wild. Oh yeah. And then if yeah, there's anything going on, with- like oh. any kind of the, the parades or anything, well that messes everything up.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not a city built for easy transportation yeah. or getting around.
2: So, but from there yeah. you went to, um,
1: was it Minneapolis? Well, yeah, I, I, I did spend about two years in Minneapolis you know i was kind of trying to find the next great music uh town sure and it, you know when you know when you're in a band it's always like you know the scene in in oklahoma is really you know the, the scene you. in in uh yeah or, or um in nevada or you know so at, at one point i must have heard i must have heard and believed that the scene with the music scene was really great in minneapolis and uh which it was okay, mm-hmm. but but man, you deal with that snow and the the, the temperature. And I played in Prince's little club there um, on First Avenue. That's cool. And uh, yeah, yeah, was well, yeah, uh, well, actually, it was First Avenue was the club, and then there was a, a there was a, like a side venue called Seventh Street Entry, and my band played there, and that was like that was like the greatest I did. Um, but uh, but again, luckily. Success has, has, uh, has been very kind to me by staying the hell away, <laughs> yeah. which is, which has kept me plugging away at, uh, uh, at, 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 I don't even know why. I, I think it's some kind of benevolent, benevolent drug addiction, uh, doing music. And, uh, you know, cause there's, there's, there's so much of the same kind of things you see of, of, uh, you know, taking up all your time and, 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 uh, you know, good sense of thinking about it and friendships built around it and sure. yeah no i
2: mean yeah you can definitely say music is a drug you know even for people who aren't in bands just listening to music become can become very obsessive and your every paycheck you're buying albums records you know and um you just you're spending all your all your money on shows and falling in love with these people that are on stage and it, it, it becomes your life as well you know just like the person on the other side who's making the music can become addicted to that
1: yeah I'm, I'm all for more and more of those people but uh mm-hmm.
2: well they're the best um, people to have in the in, in the crowd
1: they they really are and 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 in an odd coincidence those people are never relatives or friends <laughs> so no that, almost never
2: <laughs> that's something that you have to learn pretty quick if you're in a band it's like you can invite your friends and they'll they'll come and see you play your first show or, or, or your second show but they're not going to come to every show the, 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 oh yeah. You know, I mean, do you have to make new fans that you know that aren't your family, aren't 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 your friends? I don't know why it's that way. You would think that you know, I, if they're your friends, they would just come to every single show, or at least try, you know, come to a lot of them. But uh, that's just not I, I
1: know, right? It's just not how. It yeah, works. but 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 when they do come, they're yakking through the whole show usually. Right yeah. up, they'll sit right up front <laughs> and talk through the whole thing. Yeah. And um, but I'm here, you know, and we. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, they're there, you know. Like, well, thanks, you know. Uh, um, you know, that's not a help, really. Uh, so I, I've determined that my music is for strangers. Um, I'm all like, if you're if you're not doing your art for strangers, um, then then that's that's an unfortunate occurrence because you know I know so many lucky lucky people who have tons of friends and family, and they pack their shows and they show up at the open mics and 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 that's like, oh, you poor poor. Poor, poor, deluded fools with your friendships. Yeah, I think that's uh, rare. I you'll never know. have strangers. <laughs> yeah. No, I. Th- you'll I never think need them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: No, I, I do. I think it's. I think it's rare for your friend. I mean, you know, you might have one or two friends that are really into what you're doing, but like the majority of your friends and family aren't going to come to most of your shows. Now, yeah. <clears throat> If for any reason you were to make it big, you know, hey man. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That <laughs> that' I is I the be
1: crazy. True. Ter- right. That is the crazy turnaround. I've loved uh, you forever, and <laughs> you know, yeah. Oh, I remember. I went to your. I would go to your shows. Oh, was
2: that your first show? That's yeah. the only one you're at. The first one, you know.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. Um, but strangers. I don't know. You know, that, that's that's where it's at. Yeah, the stranger, you got to work for strangers. Yeah, <laughs> the stranger, the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So, how old were you when you were in Minneapolis? Like, early 20s? How old was I? Yeah, I was in my 20s. Yeah. yeah I, was my, I was in my... Yeah. And then, you, and, and and then from so, there, you ended up going
1: all the way west to Portland? No, oh, actually. Okay. I bounced back to the D.C. area because uh, uh, I had my first kid. Um, I was married at the time, and, okay. and we had our first kid, and... and and she was like, I, I, I need my mother around. I need my mother to help. And she, you know, she knew who she was married to. I wasn't going to be a big help. <laughs> uh, so, so that kind of was like, when you have a kid, it, when you first have a kid, you're like, oh, that's it. I, I, I can't be doing music anymore. I, I, I've got to dedicate my life to this kid. And
2: have got to be a dad. And I think
1: that lasts. Yeah, I've got to be a dad. Never mind. Uh, never mind the rock star. I, I, I can do that a little bit later. Uh, you know, so and that lasted about six months, and then I, I, you know, I, unpacked the guitar again, started writing more songs, but but I just never left home, you know. The, I did back that missed a year of the '90s, raising a kid. So, um, so uh, I've I've only now gotten up on the bands and things and movies and and shows at the time. Yeah, I think every parent kind of goes through that; they miss a decade. Uh-huh. Yeah,
2: I'm still missing because my my I have a daughter who's 18, but I've also got a son who's 10, um, and so uh, I'm st- I've been missing it for two decades. I don't know what's happening, mo- most of the time in the mainstream, which is I, I've actually I think even at, when they're grown, I still won't ever get back into the mainstream. I don't miss it.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's true. I mean, if I if I'm listening to a new band now. Uh, they probably sound just like an old band.
2: It seems that way that right. I listened to yeah. in high school. Sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I don't even I don't even know what you call that. It's kind of like it's the musical equivalent of a Civil War Reconstruction or a Civil War reenactment. Okay, yeah. You know, where, where, where you know they're like, yeah, it's like it's not the Civil War, but it looks just like it. Okay.
2: Yeah, it's that nostalgia. For some reason, it's just that You're like, oh yeah, this is what I was listening to when I was in high school, but this
1: is brand new. You know. Yeah. Years later. Right. Uh, y- yeah. I mean, now we've got AI recreating stuff. You know, can make new Beatles songs, and and uh, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. You it's know? wild. Fool me. Yeah. I. Yeah. Yeah. Fool me with it. I, I had to, I had sort of an I- idea like that back in I don't know, like in the in the ni- late '90s, sometime. I was like, you know what? I need to get together with a producer who knows how to get the Beatles sound and I'll write some Beatles songs and then get some musicians who know how to play just like the Beatles and then put out, I called it methadone rock. You know, it's not really heroin. It's like methadone. Okay, It's, it's sure. not really yeah. the Beatles. It's, it's methadone Beatles. Yeah. You know, cause I was like, I just want some new Beatles albums. I need new songs. I need new albums. Come on.
2: Well, is that why the, there's that band? Um, I'm going to get, it's Greta Van something. Yeah. Greta, Greta Van Fleet. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah, like, just like Led Zeppelin.
1: Just like Zeppelin, and I bought them. Yeah, I bought both of their. I bought two of their albums. I think they got another one
2: now. Yeah, but, so I mean, if you want some new uh, Zeppelin, I mean, it's not the real thing, but it's real. But they kind of did the what you said. You know, we're going to find somebody to make. Yeah. Us, to help us sound like Zeppelin.
1: I know. Yeah, it's really cool. So you know, and in the meantime, while I'm waiting for the AI Beatles, I make little fake Beatle albums by taking uh, solo tracks from. From Lennon and McCartney and, and and Harrison and Ringo and mix them together, you know songs I don't know by them from their solo careers. And, okay, and mix them together. Then I label it like it's a Beatles album, and I'm like, okay, let's just pretend they got back together and they did an album in '78, and this is these are the songs they would have played. Um, and you know, so I'm 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 probably one of those fiending uh, music addicts. That's almost certainly true.
2: Yeah, I'm not that way when it comes to music for whatever reason with my AI stuff. Um, it's like – but like movies or whatever. Or oh, TV I hate shows, that. Yeah, the know? movies. But I, yeah. but I wish it was good enough to where I could be like, I want to see, you know, <clears throat> another movie with Burt Reynolds and Jerry Reed like Smokey and the Bandit. I want to see a yes! set of these cards. You know what I mean? And and then have them make it and it looks yes! like Burt Reynolds. It looks like Jerry Reed. It sounds like them, you know. Right.
1: I, I, I know. I I think that would that. be cool. I
2: think that would be a lot of fun, <laughs> you yeah. know.
1: I mean, let's, you know, and why, let's mix different decades. Let's oh, put sure. Humphrey let's, Bogart and Jerry Reed together. Yeah. You or, know,
2: let's or throw the rock in there. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. The rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. You one one, one should not throw rocks.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, it'd be, it'd, it'd be fun, but there's like a, there's this dumb Canadian show that I've, that I like. It's called Corner Gas, and it was on for like six seasons. And then it went away, and then they came back with like an animated, it's the exact same show, but it's, a cartoon and it's just as good and i like it just as much and then it's the four wow. seasons out now but it's the last it's the last one i'm like oh, if i could do ai i would just do like i would continue the animated version of that cartoon you know it's like look here's 10 seasons of this show make me some new episodes here's all the characters it's all the same pe- people all the same voices it's just, it's just it's just an ensemble it's small you know it, it wouldn't be hard
1: yeah, I know. I you know, I, I'm still dreaming of some kind of Brady Bunch Partridge family team up. See, that'd be fun. That, you know. Yeah, some kind of, you know, something like that. It, 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 and they did a skit like that on Saturday Night Live in the 90s at some point. That uh, I seem to remember that was, you know, it went horribly wrong the uh, uh at one point they the, the Bradys start asking the Partridge family like, "You don't even know who your father is." And <laughs> And then Ruben Kincaid jumps forward and says, I'll show you who their father is and starts kissing Shirley. You know, who, who would have thought?
2: Yeah. That'd be fun. Now, it, it's going to be really, really, really weird in the next several years. I think, yeah. I, think the yeah. Older we, I know. The older we get, the, the weirder it's going to be. Because my parents have a hard time with technology now. They're in their 70s. And so I'm wondering, in, you know, 25 years, I'm in my 70s or whatever. How I'm going to be with with the modern stuff you know how just com- how, how confusing and weird it's going to be
1: yeah well old old today is not what old used to be I mean I remember old people when I was a kid and they the, the you know they were way older you know these are old old people in the 50s now I'm like I mean, that's not old yeah it sure There's, seems like it these people so you know yeah He's yeah just,
2: you see some of these actors in the 70s that were in their 30s that looked like they were in their 60s.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, if you ever saw the old show Sanford and Son, you know, Red Fox, he was 58 when that show was on. He, he, he was only 58.
2: Yeah, and he thought he was like 80 or something, at least when you were a kid. Yeah,
1: he would look like he was, he was 80. He's moving or he can barely move around, He's shuffling around. He's you saying, know, He's 58.
0: I'm coming home when it's been coming. I'm coming to join you with ugly hair Esther by my side. <laughs>
1: That's right. Yeah, I, I tried to rewatch that show, and I, you know the the funny thing is all these old shows are they're not funny anymore. That's they, true. They're all they're all one liners and insults, and uh, it is
2: all insults. It's comedy. mean. It's they're all mean. Yeah. I was watching. They're all
1: terribly mean.
2: I was watching Carol Burnett on YouTube, and it was Mama's Family, ah, and, and I and I used to love yeah. Mama's Family, and I sat there and I, yeah. I I watched a bunch of them back back to back, and I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm Feel bad, like I feel bad for Eunice. They're so horrible to her. Everybody's so mean to each other. It's like it's not even funny. Yeah, it's sad. They're all dysfunctional. It's like
1: why is this? Yeah, funny. You know? Yeah. How is that funny? But I remember it being horribly funny. Yeah. But yeah, now it's just horrible. And and even you know even go up to the to friends. I'm watching Friends, and I'm like, you know, they're really not friends. They do terrible things to each other. They're always they're always just making fun of each other, mm-hmm. knocking each other down, undermining each other. Wow! I you know I don't know why that's so. We must be evolving as a species because if we can notice, if I can notice this now, especially me, then something is you know something is going very right. Yeah, maybe so.
2: You know, um, yeah that's why I, I do appreciate like always sunny. Because they're all horrible people, but they're supposed to be horrible people, and they're horrible to each other. And anytime they they get around regular people, they they all look at them like, "God, these people are horrible." So yeah. you know what I mean? It's no, it's not like oh, they're <laughs> really good friends and they're family and they're it's like no, they're horrible people who are horrible to to, to each other. And you know, and you can find some humor in that, but it, it's it's so it's oh, a little God. different, but it's still the same. It's still
1: just roasting each other. Oh yeah. I mean, I I grew up, I grew up in a family like that. You know, we, we, you know, we were just all so harsh to each other. And I thought that's how you, I thought that's how you express love. You know, I Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, and then I'd see these other families and look at at all these hugs. I love you. (laughs) That was my family. I had a very
2: leave it to beaver type family growing up.
1: Oh man. Well, I envy you. I really envy you because, um, because that was everything. Uh, that's just everything that anybody could hope for.
2: At least in my mind, that's what it was. You know, as far as, like, it was the mom and dad who, they're still married. They they still love each other and hold hands. Hardly ever saw them fight. They were church-going folks. My dad was a preacher, so there wasn't any cussing or drinking in the house. Or um, So I just never got any of that alcoholic dad, you know, beating his wife or, you know, threatening the kids or any of that kind of, you know, it was very it was very loving. It was a good, you know. It it had its own things because it was from. I was raised in the church, so there was a lot of sheltering, right? And a lot of misinformation right. and things or whatever. Um, so it 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 had its cons as well. You know, there's never the perfect. Marriage. Yeah. My, my parents are very weird. Whenever they're around other people, it's like you know they're sweet and they're good pe- people, but they're not like most folks. You know, and I think that's everybody's. Yeah
1: yeah we, we were a weird family yeah. they, we were there were seven kids in the family and, oh, and i think I, I, you know there wasn't any alcoholism or anything awful like that it's just there was just kind of a Germanic sort of um lack of expressed emotion and that put us all in, in competition with each other and um and uh, I, I yeah and I don't know there, there, there might there's some talk that my dad might have been a Russian mole. Oh really? Um, yeah, because you know I don't know anything about his childhood. He wouldn't talk about his childhood, or he had stories, but they didn't add up. And uh, uh, and so you know when when uh, one of my other brothers was studying, you know what the classic symptoms of a Soviet mole were. You know they all fit. They all fit my dad. <laughs> so, Is he still alive? No, he no he died in uh, he died in 2016 uh, from Parkinson's, uh, but uh, but he he lived a great great life because you know he retired from the military and the federal government, so he had two pensions mm-hmm, like that, mm-hmm. and he retired at like 55, and he lived into his 90s. So yeah, so that. he spent more time retired drawing fat pensions with yeah. benefits because back then they gave fat benefits, uh-huh, and, uh-huh. and he lived in Florida, so. You know, so he's just a expert watercolor painter, and and uh, so he lived it up. He, he he did it just right. Yeah, my father in law really was did.
2: kind of the same way. As far as he went, he he retired from from the military, and then he went to work for like um, <clears throat> Vot or something over here, one of the plane manufacturers that's in town. Yeah, um, and then he worked there, and then retired from there. And so he had two fat pensions coming in from from the military, and then from his i mean it's a private sector job but it was building it, it was defense contracting type you know stuff or whatever um northern grommet that's who it was it, it was northern grommet until so he retired oh man you know wow and i think he like yeah like inspe- me yeah. i was gonna say uh, i think he just like inspected like rubber grommets that's kind of what he did <laughs> or whatever something <laughs>
1: you know yeah you know it's, it's like one of those Flintstone animals where- it's still living yeah, yeah Oh no, I about me, I'm on the drop dead plan. I get to work until I drop dead. Yeah, I'm probably the same. And and, and you can thank music for that. I have uh I have squandered everything, all opportunities, you know, just to keep my music going. And uh
2: So currently are you do you have a a job now or are you a a working musician? (laughs)
1: Uh, no, oh no i'm oh. I'm, d- I'm very much not a working musician. I'm a working worker, uh, yeah. although I'm between jobs now, which okay. means I'm doing a lot more music, but mm-hmm. uh, but I'm a graphic designer and, oh, uh, cool. yeah, so um, you know this is kind of the graveyard of the year where, I'm, you know, where I'm, there's nobody starting anything new, and everybody's still kind of on vacation or just getting back so. It's a graveyard for work, but uh, to say nothing of the economy as it may be. Yeah, uh, yeah. But but so does that. Help yeah. You? But
2: I, I. I was gonna say, does that help you with your videos? Do yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It really does. I'm a one man. I'm a one man. I'm a one stop shop man. I do everything. So I do. I do the art. I do the the web stuff. I do the uh, the videos, uh, the production, the recording. Um, you know, I'm 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 poster child for counter dependence. I really um and, and so I'm and I'm a one man band, so mm-hmm. um, so that's you know, that's about as counter dependent as you can get. And it's probably not always a good thing.
2: <laughs> now you've done both. You were you were in a band and then now you, you're just a one man band. Which do you, do you prefer one of the over the other?
1: Oh it, it's well It's vastly uh, preferable to me to be doing it all myself uh, because if I come up with a new direction, I I don't have to explain it to anybody. I Mm -hmm. can just I can just ride that horse of inspiration and and there's nobody to explain it to or go, what? I thought we were I thought we were a country band or, you know, yeah, um, you know, but uh, but uh, you have to really be vigilant when you're your own. When you're your own band and your own boss and your own band leader, you you have to be uh, you have to be very willing to break the rules you make for yourself at the drop of a hat. And uh, luckily, I'm kind of I'm kind of wacky like that. So mm. um, so I'm I'm just you know I'm a Gemini. I'm I'm just split personality enough to to uh, to make it work.
2: Okay. Yeah, my daughter's a Gemini, so I know what you mean. Yeah, right. <laughs> um yeah, so like on your videos, uh you'll take um I guess it's public domain type stuff.
1: You're yeah, for like the most part. Or, like it's or yeah, or it's something. either yeah. Yeah, it's either an old film public domain something or other or or it's undeterminable. Okay. Yeah. And yeah.
2: then and then I guess somewhere you'll shoot a video of you singing the song and then you'll put the head of that video inside a TV, and that TV goes on the head of one of the characters right. in the scene. Um, it's really, yeah. it's really yeah. fun to watch, you know. Because I've seen bands take old film and put their song over it, and it's cool. and And I understand what what, what what why they do it. It's expensive to buy, you know, to go out and have people shoot your video for you and edit and do this whole right. you know, thing or whatever. And so, this is a real clever, inexpensive way to, to, to do that. But you took it to the next level. Um, I'm assuming since you know the Brady Bunch and all that stuff or whatever you're familiar with Max Hedrum. Was that kind of an inspiration?
1: You know, uh, I, I remember when it was on, I never watched it. I, I didn't, I didn't get the concept of it.
2: Okay. Um, I, yeah. It was, you know, post-futuristic it, it was, talking head. But
1: I, I remember that. Yeah. And the, and the the whole thing with the head in the TV set. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's been done a lot. Um, uh, I, I, that's the only thing I don't like about it is it's, it's, but, but, I, but currently nobody's doing it. Nobody's really much doing it at all anymore. So I'm like, okay, it's mine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I can, I can go with that. But, but it, I do have it down to a science where I can, you know, by putting, putting my head, which I just shoot with a, with my iPhone, uh, okay. singing the, you know, you know, doing the, uh, uh, lip syncing, uh, I, by putting my head inside a TV set it it makes it easy to blend into the, to the thing I'm com- compositing it onto. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, so that way I don't have to worry about my hair getting all weird on the edges or, you know, it's just, you know, it's the square edge of a TV set. So that's, that'll always look blend in fairly well. And, and 90% of it is just matching the blur of the TV head with the blur of the, of whatever film I'm on. Um, you know, that's, that does most of the blending in effect. And, uh, so it, it, it's, um, I, and I don't know, just something about, I don't know why it works as well as it does. It, it looks it, cool. It, it really yeah. should. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, really, but,
2: it really grabs your attention and you're, you know, you really watch it. Um,
1: yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of, a lot of times it, it kind of meta story develops, you know, cause there's the story of the lyrics and then there's, and then there's the story of what the film is showing, and sometimes yeah. they blend and cross over. and And I don't do any kind of planning out of this. I just, I just pick pick a film and I start chopping. Uh, I just start chopping bits, and it's amazing how like the synchronicity they, the the motions and actions will line up with what the lyrics are. Oh yeah, it's, I I could never plan that,
2: especially yeah. like with your newest one, like, like Smuggler. I just assume that you went through and took certain scenes out and. Put them in a certain order, so it would kind of match up
1: no I, yeah no i i, I, I well I, I will do that sometimes if you know if there for example in that one there's a there's a verse about um about horses and and there was one scene where a guy rides into a bar on a donkey, and uh-huh. I was like, okay, you know I'll pull that from the, from near the end where it was and put it put it up closer to the front where the lyrics are. Uh, sometimes I'll do that, but most of the time I just go front to front to end in the film and I look for an interesting visual scene and and uh
2: and just use that you know idea. that a head yeah. that a
1: head can fit on yeah and I just put it right on there and and uh you know just one interesting shot after another makes a good video and uh, so uh yeah i I really love i love doing that. And,
2: now, I think it makes your videos stand out as as one of a kind. Because as soon as it comes on, I'm like, I know, I know that's a question. I mean, you know, as soon as you see it, that it's one of your videos. Cause you've yeah done, right because right. you've done a ton of them that that way now to where that's you know it's become your thing. Um, I thought, so. Yeah, like,
1: I've got sixty or sixty or seventy of those. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I think it said eighty-one on your website.
1: Oh, no, is that eighty-one now? It yeah, be, okay, yeah, could,
2: yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> but I think that makes you, you know unique um and so th- the other thing i wasn't sure exactly because um, like listening t- to your song it sounds like a guitar um but like a lower end or whatever i didn't realize you were playing just a, th- a three-string bass
1: yeah it's yeah usually it's a three-string bass on that one on smuggler it's a yeah it's 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 my main uh customized three-string bass that i had made um I've been playing three strings only since 1991. And, uh, so it's been like a developing science, (laughs) which is a crazy amount of time for, for just three strings and two notes. But, Um, you know, um,
2: are you, do you know any, anything about like music theory?
1: No. And I won't learn it. I refuse to learn it too, because, uh, if if i found out i i just know it wouldn't be a help to find out uh, oh, okay. and they all say you know they all, you know all the all the music theory gurus and people are like no no it it helps you make more informed choices and it's better to know i'm like no 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 it's not better to know it's 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 demonstrably worse to know uh I because think, I think for some now people, you've now you've got a label for you've got a label for everything you you know yeah, that's true I mean it, yeah. you know different
2: yeah different strokes, different
1: strokes for different folks, yeah, I mean, on the other hand, you know, there are a lot of guys I know that they need to know that they need to i I work on a much more instinctive level in making music and um. So, well,
2: It also works when you're you know, just playing by yourself because you can do whatever you want. The rules don't matter as long as it sounds good. Now, if somebody's trying to sit in with you and jam with you, they're going to ask you what you're doing. You're going to be like, I don't know. <laughs> they're going to have to just kind of right. fiddle around and figure it out. And you're doing something unconventional. Um, it may take them a while to figure out what your pattern or whatever is. Now, the only reason why I'd ask was because I, <clears throat> I play the guitar and I just learned. From like a book, you know, just how to play certain chords and I'll learn how to play certain songs, yeah. and, then, and I could piece them together. But I never knew any of the of the theory. I'm taking lessons now, and so I've been learning some of the theory. And one of the interesting things is, is that <clears throat> there's there's seven notes in a scale. You know, and the first, third, and fifth note of that scale is what makes up the chord. So you just need three notes to make a chord, and you have three strings. So if you're pushing right. if you're pushing down all three strings or whatever, um, you're probably making some kind of chord.
1: I'm making a power chord. Most of almost everything I play is a power chord. Is, okay, and yeah, and it's tuned to a drone. So I, you know my my strings are B, F sharp, B. Oh, weird. Uh, okay. Yeah. So so to to get a three to get a three note chord, that's I have to kind of work at that. Yeah, you'd have to um, think about what you're you know. You well, know. yeah, but I mean sometimes it's easy. Like I can just put down two two fingers or one finger and lift it lift the third, and it's like. There's three notes, right? And, um, but it but it also gives it kind of a primitive sound and a Middle Eastern sound and a Celtic sound and a bluegrass sound. So it's very um, it's primitive, you know. That's what I that's what I like about. Okay. Uh,
2: yeah, I place, it but I think Celtic is a good word too, because there is something sort of medievalish or something when I when, when I hear it, the the tuning or whatever you're you're playing in. It's not. I mean, it's got some of your regular rock blues in it, but there's some weird. Um, chords and runs and stuff that that you're doing it works yeah, it, well. It, you know,
1: it's all thirds and fifths, uh, I think, and flat sevenths. Wow, and uh, you know a little bit about theory. I, yeah, I know a little. I know enough to get my face slapped.
2: Yeah, yeah well, that's how, how much I I know. I was just thought it was interesting. It's like, oh, he's got he's got three strings. It takes three chords to make or three notes to make a chord. It's like I wonder if you, you know if you went off that concept or whatever.
1: But um, at, at one point, at one point in Portland, I. I I hired a, a guitar teacher just for one day to uh to look at my guitar and tell me tell me what i'm playing what am i what are these chords i'm making what's that what's this mm-hmm. and uh and I wrote it all down and i was like i left there very enlightened a little saddened and uh uh and then uh I promptly lost it all i have I've lost and forgotten it all clearly yes. something in me was just allergic to wanting to know
2: now you're um your bass is custom made, you said. Um,
1: yeah, that one is. Yeah, so I've got about nine of them. Okay. But, and, and, uh, well, the one that, that I saw,
2: that, you had like four inputs on it.
1: Five, yeah. Five, okay. Right, yeah, although I only used four. All right. I only use four when I'm playing live. So I, I'm. one is uh, there are two pickups, two outs that pick up all three strings. There's a humbucker, and there's uh, a bridge pickup and the bridge pickup gives kind of an acoustic sound and the the humbucker i rarely use playing live i use that for recording uh and th- and that's that's a i'll distort that one so uh, that can be kind of a heavy guitar if i need it mm-hmm. and bring it in and out as needed uh, so that's two then there's uh there's a single pickup a single string pickup for the lowest string and a single pickup for the highest string, the highest pair of strings, on that on that particular uh, the Grumble Duke, the one the one that you saw, uh, that's got a high. It's got a high pair at the end, so it's got three bass strings and one high guitar string, which gives it an extra little zing when when I hit it. Weird. Yeah. So yeah. Each,
2: each pickup has its own
1: line out. Out. Yeah. So yeah. So so now I'll take the out from the bass string and I'll feed that into Uh, an electroharmonics pedal called pitchfork that raises that that hits it with like a two upper octaves Uh and then i'll feed that one into either an electroharmonics mellotron pedal or an electroharmonics vintage organ pedal and i have to put it through the uh, harmonizer because i need to get the i need to get the um the note up you know, so it, it's because the mellotron notes would be, or sound better in the higher range. Okay. Uh, same with the organ. So that'll sound more like an organ. And, uh, uh, so, and then, so that, that, so I've got those, I can switch back and forth between the two of them. And, and I've got an on off switch for each of these. So while I'm playing, I'll, you know, I can turn the organ off or turn the strings off and bring them in when I need to. So that, that gives me some arrangement options. And, uh, and then the the high string goes out into um, into. a have got it. I've got it into something called a flamma pedal. I guess it's a modulation pedal, and it kind of gives it a sort of a wah. You know, Jerry uh-huh. Garcia kind of wah wah wah. Um, and, so crazy! Uh, wow, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, it took a lot of years of bad sciencing Yeah, you'd
2: say how how would you figure all that stuff out? You know.
1: Yeah, I I, I have butchered so many nice guitars. Um, cause I don't know any luthier stuff and I don't know any soldering or, or, uh, electronics really. Uh-huh. So, um, I just, I just knew I wanted, I, I needed to, I like a fuller sound than just playing on a guitar, just a guitar and a voice. Um, I really admire that when I hear guys, uh, I'm at open mics a lot more than mm-hmm. anything else. And I, and I hear these guys that can do like the world with just a voice and and their, and their guitars and i i can't really do that you know i but i need to. there's a producer mind in me that needs to hear more and make more
2: um well and you've, got, the, you've got your highs and your mids and your lows you know and then you've also got yeah. some sort of foot pedal that you're playing on that makes beats
1: yeah i've got two different drum voices one of them so one of the things you saw on that guitar was a uh it looked like a big black knob it's actually it, there's a piezo crystal behind this little rubber pad, and I tap that while I'm while I'm playing while I'm strumming. I tap that with my strumming hand, and and that goes into one in on a drum module. So that so I can get one voice out of that. Usually it's a hi hat or something or a, or a tom, you know. So I can kind of hit that. And then I've got a a porch board, uh, which is this kind of it's it's another sort of piezo thing that that sits on the ground like a pedal and i tap that with my foot and that goes into the other trigger on the drum module so i can get my bass drum out of that or tambourine or whatever but i get two drum sounds and uh i don't i don't do um i don't do uh what do you call it the the pre-programmed um so you make your own
2: tones or whatever
1: yeah, everything I do is generated for me. So oh, right. I, I may do a polyrhythm here or there, you know. So maybe just one of my my foot might set off a or a bump a bump, you know. But 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 I have to trigger that. Yeah. So it's not.
2: So like you don't have like you don't just hit it at the beginning of the song and you've got it all laid out to where it plays exactly what you want. Where you're actually playing it with your foot as you're playing your guitar.
1: Right. So I'm not a sequencer looping guy at all. Okay. You know. The sequencers uh, i i i know some really great sequencer players uh, but um but to me that's that's just a notch above uh karaoke kind of things and and the loopers are the loopers are all right i used to i used to do a looper thing um but i, I just find it's it's very limited and uh I mean, you yeah. know although you can you can do really complex things but uh, but
2: i can't <laughs> now it's just it's just amazing that you're making all this sound you're just one person and you, i mean you have a basic guitar but with all these extra things attached to it and the drum machine or the drum modules on the on the ground with your feet You I mean it's like i said you've got your bass you know you've got your melody you've got your your rhythm your your beats or whatever you know it's a full band yeah. even though it's just you and it's not like with the little cymbals in between your knees and the yeah, <laughs> you know, playing on a kick drum or whatever. Either I mean, it's
1: you know. yeah, and a harmonica around my neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think of this as sort of rock impressionism. You know, with, with impressionism in painting, you, you it's like you blur your vision and and it and it and it looks like it it looks like a scene in the park. Okay, in, in you know, well, so if you blur your ears, I sound like a whole band. Sure. And uh so that it's kind of this rock impressionism thing and and this is the time for it, because you know when so much perfection is easily accomplished uh on a laptop or or with AI uh, just like painters had to struggle with you know how do I outdo a photograph um, we musicians now have got to struggle to assert their humanity, and that means to me leaving in mistakes okay, um yeah. Not not uh, uh, eschewing perfection, and not um, you know keeping your beat. If your beat's a little off, that's okay. If you're a little out of tune, that's okay. Um, If you're singing flat or sharp or whatever, you know here or there, that's a human voice. This is a human making music, and and it's precious. And uh, I think we'll all come around to seeing that the more we get AI and more perfect music that is so excellent and exquisite and it just doesn't mean anything right i
2: man i i think i agree with you i think that's definitely i can see that being a fad as far as like you know it's gonna be more important to see live music because you can see the people doing it and you'll hear the mistakes and you'll hear the you know and it'll also i I think there will there'll be some sort of movement where it's lo-fi bedroom sounding music is on the rise because
1: yeah I, I mean just too. yeah just like human music you know, and and it's funny people are so strange i was thinking about john prine the other day and i don't know any john prine uh, i've heard his name forever sure, and there too. are people that swear by him and I, I don't really know any john prine but but i thought you know so say he's a guy with a guitar and he's you know and you don't know he's john prine and he's sitting up at an open mic and everybody's talking right through his set but if they knew he was John Prine, they'd be like, Ooh, listen, it's John Prine right in this little venue. Oh, oh man. Oh, listen to everything. You think. Oh, oh, that's so cool. He's so good. Uh, we should have that focus on anybody that gets up on a stage, whether they're John Prine or not, because that's the only one of those people that there is out there. Right. And, and they're making music as only a human can do in their own unique way. Uh, you know, unless they're playing a cover. Well, but uh, even a cover can be unique.
2: Yeah, you can still uh, you know. bring your own stuff to it and make it yours. Or now we need more. Uh, we, like I went. Um, Keegan McEnroe is a local guy. He he released an album just before the first of the year, and he had um, his album release was at this. Um, it's called like the Rose Chapel. It's part of the Southside Preservation Hall over here. Yeah, right? yeah. It, it's a little ch- know it chap- well Okay. Um, but he so he played his whole record front to back, you know, in this little ch- ch- chapel, maybe 50 people there, maybe a hundred. I don't know. It wasn't a whole lot, but, the, but there was a decent crowd, but it was quiet the whole time. Cause you're in a church. You just felt like this, we to, you, there's no talking, you know, it just, it forced you to be the way the the way that it was lit and the pews and everything to where it was like, I was like, man, we need more of this. We need more listening rooms. I guess is what it's called where people go to yeah. listen to bands play, you know, not to go to socialize and, you know, pick up the opposite sex or whatever, or to hang out with your friends or just to get wasted or, you know, just to get out of the house. I mean, to actually go and listen
0: to,
1: yeah. those,
2: you know, we need a, a good yeah. listening room.
1: Tuesday, nights at uh, the Magnolia motor lounge are, are uh, they have an open mic that's like that. It's a listening room and they will still shush you. Oh, good. if you talk, you get shushed and they turn off the TVs and the sound is great. And the stage is great. And there are top notch singer songwriters, um, doing their stuff there and being heard. And, uh, See, it's that's awesome. It, I, yeah, it's awesome. It's to me, that's the best one in town. And, uh, and Portworth has amazing talent, just amazing talent, especially in the singer songwriter division. And, and, uh, I, I really think we're in a pre Seattle kind of phase where, uh, things could blow up if anything can indeed blow up anymore.
2: Yeah. I wonder, you know, often. So so yeah, so that's kind of where I was I was leading you to our, our, earlier. Was you played in DC? You played in Minneapolis, then you went and you played in bands out of yeah. Portland and did some solo stuff yeah. I think as well, right? And and then so then, yeah. then then you ended up here. Um is each place different? Like like night and day d- d- different like like each scene has its own thing or is there like a a, a common you know underground local scene at every city that's kind of any city that you go to you can find a scene at least major you
1: know, you know uh, there are certain things that are the same um there's there's always a kind of clickishness mm-hmm. that happens where you know you need to be in and and it you need to be in with the in people and um and and it's diff- for different different there are different ways you get in like in Portland, it was all about drugs. Um, you know, if you didn't, if you didn't do drugs, uh, to some extent, then you were never going to be on the inside of, uh, you're never going to be very far on the click inside. Mm. And I mean, that was just my impression. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, which I wasn't at all. So, um, b- but, uh, and, and Portland, I had to, uh, my what my way of breaking in there that was probably my most success I've ever had um, was I I I put together this character you know how with an outlandish costume mm-hmm. and uh, you know I had like five plastic lobsters in my hair and, and uh, I wore these suits spattered with latex paint like a Jackson Pollock painting and, and and I put out a, I produced a cable access series that was kind of like the monkeys if, if there was one monkey okay to to you know yeah it was like skits and my and my songs and skits and my songs and um, and that that caught on really well um but not with the music not so much with the music community uh not with not with the you know the rockers and the, the artists and things like that but not so much with them but with the actual people who who were the fans of music and um Anyway, Portland was a great place uh, because for artists. While I was there, I was there for 17 years, oh, and wow. uh, yeah, and and it was so cheap. Rent was so cheap, food was cheap, everything was uh, was artist artsy fartsy, and and you know, just like everything that everybody everybody wishes Austin was right still, um, and uh, uh, but but then it died. It kind of just died and all these artists like me and others just kind of we all drifted away from the city at the same time but but really the best of them all has been texas because um, texans love music they love music and they love original people and that's not true everywhere you go uh you know there's a lot of lip service paid to having an original sound or doing things differently in, in the other music cities I've been in, but they really didn't like that. They really, um, there, there's a, there's a syndrome I call chainsaw juggling that is um, a, a great foil to music and bands and things. And it's, it's like this, if you, if you got somebody on the stage playing and singing a song, and then the next guy comes up and he plays and sings a song and juggles a chainsaw while he's doing it. You know, mm-hmm. he's going to bring the house down.
2: Sure.
1: Uh, but that does not mean it was a more memorable performance or a more meaningful one. It just means he juggled a chainsaw. So, and it's like, well, I can't juggle a chainsaw. You know, and it's the idea that art is something I can't do. I can't juggle a chainsaw. It must be great. That guy's great. He can juggle a chainsaw. Um, and, and a lot of bands are caught up in that, you know, like, you know, how fast can you shred or, or, um, you know, uh, um, you know, how, what kind of high notes can you, can you shred and, you know, when you sing. Um, but, but really that has nothing to do with the expression, the amount of expression or, or artistic quality, of what you're doing. It's just chainsaw juggling. And, and so most places i've been most music towns i've been in have a have a worship of chainsaw juggling but texas texas so far has really kept it real mm-hmm. um, you know they they they're uh, it, it's just you know it's just the greatest place on earth that's cool
2: i'm glad to hear that yeah you know because yeah. i was i like our scene here I, I do think it was a little better you know pre-pandemic than you know post pandemic but i think it, it can come back um now, I do think there's a lot of talent here. I think there's so many bands that are here that could easily be on the radio. that are as good as any bands that I hear on the radio currently. You know, I'm like, why is this band popular whenever this band exists in town? you know? um, Yeah. So I well, would it, love it if, yeah. if, if, if this was like the next uh, Seattle or something like that, except for the fact that then our little secret's out and, you know.
1: Well, yeah. Like, See, now that's kind of what happened to Portland right. was – you know, when Portlandia came out, that was the beginning of the end, right there. Okay, sure. All, the, all of a sudden, it was like a national thing that oh, Portland is weird. Let's you know, you yeah, know, like let, let's exploit Portland. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I, I, so, but but really, this world is changing so much, especially the music industry. It's all but dead. It's all but fallen over. The the corrupt, gangster-driven music industry uh is is all but over they're living off their own inheritance and that's about it um they they don't know how to they don't know how to field a, a successful band anymore they just know how to um Get they just know how to take somebody that's already it's ex- already successful or, or knows what they're doing and they throw money at it and and amplify you know they just amplify the artist. To yeah. a place where you can't help but see them, right? And and but, but that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't endear them to, to anybody. And as soon as they stop amplifying them, then they go away. They fade away. And uh, so you know, it's it's so sad that we musicians, most of us, have this phantom, this ghost of the old music industry and success, 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 uh, that haunts us needlessly. It's not, it, that's not the world anymore. And, um, but but the good news is, I think, is that we're changing to a world where that local guy is gonna mean something to you. You know, that local artist is gonna mean something to you and 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 will be valued for the realness of it and not for the, ooh, the next big thing, he could be the next big thing. Uh, there's no more next big thing. You know, there's there's just beautiful people playing beautiful music and music music that's meaningful to us and fun and and whatever music can be.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's right on. It, you know, I, it yeah. is going to be weird. I, th- I think we're still going to have pop stars or whatever that's going to feed the machine, but I do think that they're going to come and go quickly. You know, it's not going to. it's it just it really and and I just I think it's just because I'm old, so and maybe there's some validity to to, to what you're saying, but I'm always like, "Ah, it seems to to me like nothing has been really that great in the last 20 years or whatever. I mean, as far, I mean, there's been some good stuff. I mean, but I mean, as far as like, when you look at, at the nineties, you know, and and you look at all the different bands, you know, and and just all the different styles from like, you know, you know, it's just like, I'm, I'm at the cranberries to the Smiths to like the chili peppers to like, sublime to like you know all these just different all this kind of fit in this alternative you know music the Beastie Boys I mean it had everything and and then even in the 80s you can look at these top 10 charts from these different years and look at all these different bands that had all these different styles of music and then when we get to the 2000s it all just seems like everything yeah everything the same
1: it died yeah just the life kind of drained out of it and and I and we may never know exactly why that is. It's it's very very odd, um, but uh, yeah, because it was just so different. Like when you had like
2: a, a top ten list back in the day, it's like every song was kind of different from the you know the one below it. But now it's like every song just sounds the exactly the same.
1: It's auto tuned, you know, and I don't know. Yeah, well, you know. I, somewhere in my internet journeys uh, I came across Somebody talking about a book called Strange Sounds from the Canyon I think that's what it was called And it was written by a guy Who had some sort of CIA Connections who was saying And the, the thing was If you took all those bands that came out of Laurel Canyon In the 60s You know the Mamas and the Papas and the Eagles And, and the Grateful Dead And just all of the, the birds and you know they all all the people in those bands had direct connections to the CIA and and um, and and military intelligence. They were really, they were all either sons, they were like sons of, of Intel guys and and the what the book was trying to say was all of this rock and roll has all been pushed by the by the deep state, by the military to. Uh, And by intelligence to uh, to make the country weaker or something like that, you know. Um, But but and I was just like, well, okay, maybe that's true, or maybe it's not true. But but if 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 it was found to be true, how then are we to relate to this music we've loved that's built on other that other music we loved has been built on and built on top of that? You know, if that was all just something to manipulate us and and brainwash us somehow you know how are we to love you know how am i to love this thing i've given my life so much of my life to uh you know it it's like you know uh it's it's like that that meme with the the nazis you know do you think we're the baddies you know are we the baddies you know uh but no, but uh i hear so so but but go ahead my point is my point is that if if for if for example that were found out to be true, um the notion of a pop star could be dead just like that. Um because it would seem it would be seen to be something that was um crooked and and, and not admirable but crooked and evil. And and in that case, the last thing you'd want to be as an artist is a pop star. You'd want to be the opposite of that. So hence maybe a local, you know. Uh, sure. Yeah.
2: That's that's the only way I could see that kind of thing happening. Maybe yeah, it, it's weird. I, I mean, I don't know. You know, if yeah, if, uh, yeah. But I'm just that, that's interesting because I know that there have been what like the Scorpions or something. They had like a record that was done by the CIA when the wall oh, right? or something. Yeah, there was some story about that. Um, so I mean, I've I've heard those kinds of stories before, and I know that there was some deal about the whatever music is at the the Hertz or whatever the four forty or. When oh yeah, like, that's yeah, another one I whole think about a lot. Yeah, there's whole that, that whole thing. And it's like you know. But yeah, I mean it's like like that's one thing I that I, I say on this show again and again and again. I'm like it's it's really easy to kind of fall in love with like a Taylor Swift or whoever your favorite right. artist is or whatever, and like you, you listen to the songs, you're like, Oh, she speaks to me and whatever and you have the the posters and you follow the Instagram and you're just totally in love with this, you know artist and then you spend thousand dollars to go to the show and it's it's a religious thing for you i think all that's true but i think that can be achieved on a local level i mean these days you know used to it's like hey my friend got a band and it's like oh really and they would play a, a tape that somebody put in a boom box in the corner of the room and hit record when they practiced and that's how you listen to local music you know now you can go right. on App, apple music and hear you know, quality, you know, music from your local bands. And you can listen to them and you can get to know the songs. They can speak to you just like Taylor Swift did or whatever. And you can actually go to see them play for $10 and then afterwards walk up to them and say, Hey, this song really meant a lot to me. And that would really mean a lot to the person that wrote that song, Where you're never going to have that experience with Taylor Swift or whoever, you know? Yeah.
1: I think, I think there's something I call the baby bird syndrome where uh, i was always told as a kid you know if you see a baby bird on the ground don't pick it up because if you get your human scent on it then its mother will never rate will will only smell the human and will let them die
2: yeah i heard that
1: yeah right and uh so i i think there's a similar thing going on with corporations where um we are now sensitive to the smell of corporate touch and we will let it die Rather than than, uh, however attractive it may look, you know, th- as a product or an artist or whatever, we get that corporate whiff, and it's and it's over. and And that's very much what's going on on TikTok, where um, uh, I, I was at the uh, CD Baby conference down in Austin, um, not last summer, but the summer before that, and they did, there was a seminar on TikTok, and and they were saying, do not put, do not spend any more money making. High quality videos, high quality you know, expensive videos. Don't um, don't make a set. Don't you know? Just shoot yourself in some room of your house. Uh, you don't want to, you know. You don't have to make the sound quality very good. People want to see something real,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. So again, something is going very, very right in society, where uh, where that can happen.
2: I think. Yeah, and it is a weird, a weird world where nowadays you can see your celebrity. Of choice you know you can watch their their tiktok or their instagram and and have some you know what you think is real moments I don't know I'm always like yeah this is an actor who knows (laughs) you know maybe I don't know I'm kind of cynical but I'm I'm only cynical because I keep getting fooled so I'm also right yeah I'm also gullible and cynical it's a weird combination
1: yeah it's it's like gunnical yeah there you go but or syllable
2: but no, it, um, I don't know. It's just, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, way. how often
1: is it has, how often has it happened that you're sitting, you're sitting watching, you're like, I, I can barely watch TV anymore. You know, my girlfriend and I sit here and watch TV and a show ends. And all of a sudden for the next half an hour, we've been showing each other Instagram videos and stuff, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just more compelling. It's more fun. You know, it's better entertainment than, than this real entertainment. Mm-hmm. This expensive billion dollar entertainment. Uh we're you know well, that was what, we're getting genuine laughs showing our phones to each other. Look at this guy, look at this animal.
2: So I don't remember the guy's name, but I remember it being a big deal. He kinda of blew up. He had that song Rich Man's of Richmond or whatever.
1: Yeah, Rich Man or Richmond. Yes, he's right. a great great right. example.
2: Because I mean it's like well, some people were like, Oh, this guy's real. He's so real, he's this real guy, he goes to work, he's his truck and whatever, whatever, you know, and his song just blew up. Other people were like, Ah oh, man, this was picked up by it's being pushed by corporations, you know, and it was like this really weird, you know, fight over whether it was real or not.
1: Yeah. It, it, yeah. I know. It's, it's hard to know what kind of lesson to draw from his story. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure he's still playing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I, I feel like the attention of the internet and the world has shifted well away from him. Like he put out that first song and then he put out another one and it was like, yeah, that's all right. That's all right. It's, and another one, it's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that. And I only did another one. Yeah, OK.
2: But that's the way that it kind of works when you when you just. When, yeah. When the algorithm pushes you to the top real fast, you know.
1: Yeah, right. But, but the the fact that I mean, this is almost this is like, you know, we landed a man on the sun, you know, it's yeah. that, that he could get there um, from where he was at. Uh, and the way it was done and absolutely top, top the charts like anybody else did. Um, you know, that's, that's an amazing, that, that was a, a, a watershed moment. Um, and, and it, 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 which doesn't really signify anything for the small artist. Well, it, uh, it, it but, but that it does sim- signify the end of maybe the big, big guys. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I think it shows that, you know, even somebody just random and obscure can, you know, have something hit, and for whatever reason, at that moment, it just starts to go viral, and all of a sudden, you go from having thirty or forty regular fans to where it's like, oh man, I've got like a thousand people following me now, two thousand people now, it's up to ten thousand people. Because once it starts going, then the algorithm's like, oh people, people like this, and it keeps feeding it to more and more folks who start, you, 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 you know, liking you. I mean, it can happen. You know, it's a really weird, weird world where you know there's a, there's eleven year olds on YouTube making eight million dollars a year
1: yeah god help
2: him you know I oh know. man it's, it's, it's just <laughs> wild I'm, whenever my son was like two or whatever we were watching that, that that little kid ryan play with his toys you know and this little kid, oh, yeah like, yeah you know right. he, he was like yeah, the number yeah. one youtube guy you know because oh yeah. they would they would just put him on it and hit play and it would just play all day long and in the background and it's just scoring. and they this kid's just getting toys mailed to him from all these companies and all he all he has to do is play with them. I, I wonder what that kid's doing I, I think he i think he's still trying to do stuff
1: or whatever but it's like what a weird world can he, you imagine living living in the shadow of your four-year-old self your six-year-old self what a, i wouldn't wish that on anybody I, i've been like it's, I, I i've been so lucky to have been such a failure my such an artistic failure my entire my entire life success has stayed the hell away it's been the, it's been I've been so lucky it would have destroyed me it absolutely destroyed me if i'd had any kind of you know financial success i would have stopped looking i would have been chasing my tail just that of course that's just me i mean
2: yeah uh, you're not the first person that's come on here and said that you know this is like this is like no if you, i would have made, if i would have made it big 5 years ago or a ten, 10 years ago i'd be dead right now
1: yeah. I, I thought your your interview with Joe Savage was really uh, amazing. He he got to you guys got to some amazing places in the second half of that interview where he was talking about what being an artist meant to him. Yeah, no, he and, got real real, you know. Yeah, and and it was it, the things he said. Everybody listened to that because he said some very important stuff there. And and you and, and there was something really vital that you said about what you do. Is is that you hope someday that this is a record. Of people that you know, people can go back and say, "Well, this is these are these are artists talking in their early days, you know, before they were well known or anything like that." That you've got you've got this record of them, and and that is so important. That's absolutely right. That's your back catalog, there. Yeah, even it's if really vital, even if
2: nothing else, even if let's say thirty years down the road, you know, maybe that's how long it takes. But then F- 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 Fort Worth has like another music kind of blow up you know and there's like all these you know it it dies for a little while and then it it comes back and they start you know and they start to talk talk about you remember back in the you know the 2010s or whatever um there was a music scene there and and then this is if somebody wanted to do like a documentary on the scene from 30 years ago man i've got tons and tons and tons of interviews of of people that they could just scroll through you know i mean i hope it's up there forever. i mean it's on it's on the internet or whenever my kids get older you know, hell, one day I'm going to die and they're still going to be alive. Maybe they want to go back and be like, you know what, I'm going to listen to my dad talk to these r- bands that were in town from the, you know. I think it's a neat, it's a journal in a sense, but um, <clears throat> of of me or whatever, but it's also, you know, like I said, I really yeah. want it to be just like a reference, you know, this makes like, oh, what do you want to know about f- f- the, the Fort Worth music from this time to this time? You know, and then here's hundreds and hundreds of episodes and I'm not, I'm not the only one in town doing it. There's so many podcasts yeah, yeah. Do, do, doing it now. It's where there's so much in, in, information out there. And there's so many more bands now that I can't even keep up with them, which I think is yeah. good.
1: Yeah. That's, that's really, it's really good. And, and there's so many and they're so good. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the crazy thing. Yeah,
2: I was in a band in, in, um in my twenties, you know, and we were, Gosh, I mean, it was like 97 or whatever, you know, the end of the, the, the 90s. So we were kind of like a grungy, had, had a little more uh, psychedelic to it, but it was just blues-based, rock and roll, you know, garage band or whatever. And I thought we were okay, but we weren't near as good as any of the bands that are that I go and watch on a regular night, you know, on, on any random night. You know, it's like, there's we are so much better than, than we were
1: then. Yeah, it's... it's um... It's, it's a tough time for bands in a lot of ways. Um, I think one of the problems is that um, it's a bad time for sound. Uh, it's like sound pro- sound production. Um, I, I feel like it's hard to hear the bands. When I go to see a band, It's I'm like, I, I can't. I don't get the experience listening to a band um where I can hear you know if I'm listening at home I can hear the lyrics sure. and I can hear the different parts and you know most of the time and if I'm out in a club or something I just hear <sighs> I just hear the bass and and the thunder from the you know from the kick drum and and it's like ah, come on and again some bands can keep it quieter um, so you know I'll, I'll tend to listen to more of those bands those sort of bands but I'm, I would love to see the rock bands but it's just like guys you're beating me down with the sound yeah you know, I can only bob my head for so long. I got to hear your words. You know, uh, I'm, I'm sure you got some good words. I can't, I can't hear them, man.
2: Yeah. Usually I'll go, if I can't, cause there, there are times like, do you remember like the, the Smashing Pumpkins, um, the first yeah. album, Gish or whatever. It's like, man, I don't know anything that Billy Corgan says in that album. You know? Yeah. I was like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going, I am one and you are three. I don't know what the fuck he yeah. <laughs> And so, but it didn't stop me from you know singing along to it and that kind of stuff. And some of these bands, you know, it's like even if I I don't know what they're saying, if I can find that groove or whatever, then I'll go yeah. home and and and. But that's the great thing now is that you can while you're in the club, look them up on Apple Music or whatever and add their record to your yeah thing you know or and, Spotify yeah, yeah or, or Spotify and then you can go home and and listen to it and yeah. Anyways, um, last thing I wanted. Get through so you just your newest album. I don't have
1: it up now, but um, oh, Rude Yard, yeah, that was the last release. Although, I've got it, I've got an EP coming out on the 29th. Um, I've got an EP coming out called the Sudden EP, and uh, yeah, and that that'll be um, that'll be uh, that'll be unique for my catalog because I'll actually be working with a drummer on that. There's six songs and they've got drums, real drums. Oh, nice, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so like, which I said I would never do, but I, but you know, I was just like, ah, again, I if I make a rule, I gotta break it. You know? I make hard rules for myself that are made to be broken. So.
2: There you go, perfect. Um, well, like in this album, were you playing with a flautist?
1: Yeah, the flute player uh, Steve Facio, um, who I met through the uh, Arlington Knights organization, and um, you know, he just he just happened to mention that he was a. a he played flute and he played flute like Jethro Tull. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I'm a huge Jethro Tull fan. So I was like, ah, oh, and, and I was like, maybe now I could do the album I've always wanted to do, which was a kind of a Tull-like album, uh, where I took the, I took this, some great poems by Rudyard Kipling and then wrote some Tull-like music for him. And then get a, get a flute player to play along with that. And, uh, and, uh, oddly he went for it. So, uh, did um, y'all play together so in
2: in the same room?
1: Yeah, oh, so. yeah, we did that. We we did so probably four of the four of the six tracks on that. Um, I, I would call it an EP, except it's like almost forty minutes long. There's like eight minute songs on there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so it's so prog rock. Um, but uh, yeah, we did. I think about four of those songs we played together um, live in the studio, and then. Towards the last couple, I was like, wait a minute. I, I just producing it and playing it and recording it and all was just a little overwhelming at the time. I was like, wait, I don't need to do. I I can just do my part wow. live and then have him come in and play along with it. And that'll be yeah, you know, that, that way. Cause I'm more, you know, I'll take several takes. He could, he could nail it in just one or two takes, but I I need, I need seven or eight, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. (laughs) I'm not that, I'm not that sharp. So, uh, I got to work at it a bit, but, uh, so I was like, you know what, let's save everybody time. I'll just do these last two tracks before he gets here. And then, and then I can focus on the sound I'm making and capturing that right. And then capture his sound. Right. Um, but it, it's very much, mostly a live album in the studio.
2: Right. Cool, man. It sounds really good. I, I enjoy listening to it. It's a fun one. And I like yeah. to listen to the flute. And so then your new one, you'll have an, an actual yeah, live it'll be,
1: right? yeah. And that was live in the studio. Um, that was live in the studio, you know, not the vocals, but um, you know, we played that together live. And uh, so I always said I wouldn't work with a drummer because I, I, sort of had this prejudice that um drums regular a regular drum set will will just elevate a, a song into mediocrity just because you get that boom bap boom boom bap and your ear has heard it so many times all through the ages that that you just tune it out and uh, so i always like making my own beats which would be kind of offbeat mm-hmm. but um but it depends on what 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 this guy taught me was it depends on the drummer and never ever look the gift of groove in the mouth. Yeah. Because if, if a drummer can groove, it doesn't matter that nothing else matters. And this guy grooves. So
2: there are some jazz drummers out there that can do all kinds of funky stuff off beat, you know, and weird stuff that your brain is used to processing. Keep it interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and initially I told him, that's what I told him. I was like, I want you to play wrong. I want you to, to, you know, you know, all the things you do that that, to to drum, right? Well, don't do those things. Mm -hmm. Do the wrong things. And, and bless his heart. He, he started doing that. And he did some like little demos for me of the songs doing it wrong. And I was like, what am I doing? Why am I being the control maniac here? You know, (laughs) I was just like, you know what? You have a great groove. Just play it, play them the way you want to play. And because what we're going to come up with is a mix of the two of us. Right. And, and I don't want to stand in the way of that by being such a genius. So, um, <laughs> you know, so it's, so it's a very special record. And um, uh, but.
2: Um, and when's that going to come out, and, and do you
1: think? The 29th. Okay. It's okay. coming out on the 29th. Oh, so next yeah. week, yeah. So be, week. be available everywhere online while supplies last. Awesome. Yeah.
2: All right, man. Well, I'm going to close out the show with um, the Smuggler song.
1: All right. I cool. want to encourage everybody
2: to go watch the video too. That, that, that's a fun video to watch.
1: Yeah. Questionbeggar.com.
2: Yep. <laughs> and I'll put a link of your website on the All right, cool. in the description as well.
1: All right. And uh, do you have anything
2: cool. com- coming up like where you're, where you're going to play live? You'll be like at Magnolia on Tuesday or any Tuesday?
1: Uh, yeah. Generally on Tuesdays, um, I'll do Magnolia. Uh, I also do a lot of Pearl's uh, Cherokee Lounge in Arlington. Um, that's on a Monday night, but just open mics, people go to open mics. Cause like the monkeys, you never know where I'll be found. Okay. So you better get ready. <laughs> I may be coming to your town.
2: Awesome, man. Dude, I'm a big fan of the monkeys.
1: Me too. Awesome, dude.
2: Dude, I want to talk to you more. I'm, 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 I'm gonna let it go. Cause it's already been like an hour and a half, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, <I'm... laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I want to hang out s- s- somewhere. I really enjoy yeah. talking to you.
1: Yeah. It's been great. It's been great.
2: All right, man. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun.
1: All right. right. I'll talk to you later.
2: It sounds good. See you later.
1: All right. Bye. Bye.